Welcome to our Scheduled Sanity Podcast. I'm Erin. And I'm Sigal. And we're two stay-at-home moms who schedule our time together to keep each other from losing our minds. We know that being a stay-at-home mom is hard, so we're here to remind you that you're not alone. You matter. We get it. Let's get to it. So today, this is uh, part two of a two-part podcast. That's right, episode two. Of... The Jew and the Gentile. So yeah, today, I, st- I still feel like I can't say it. <laughs> we're talking. <laughs> we're talking about the Gentile. And, yeah, um, that's me. Yeah. And your spiritual path. I'm very excited for it. Yeah. So we're going to do this. We're going to continue this storytelling of who we are and what brought us to this place. And this is the Aaron story. The exploration of identity. Yes, the Aaron story, which is a faith journey for me, primarily. That's who I identify as, the Gentile, a.k.a. the Christian. So, um, our stories are kind of similar in some weird ways because mm-hmm. we both grew up in the Okanagan, although you didn't start off there, yeah. but I was born and raised small town, Okanagan girl, two lovely parents, a wonderful brother, very idyllic. Some of my childhood friends would, would joke that we were like the cleavers and leave it to beaver, which is a very dated reference, but, <laughs> um, my dad was a cabinet maker, a master joiner, actually. And my mother was a primary school teacher, mm-hmm. very loving, balanced home life. I felt very cared for. Um, and we never moved. My parents bought property, built a house. They are still in it, like almost 60 years later. No, 55, 50 years later. A long time they've been in the same house. Um, so when I was a, when I was a lass, way back when, my mother was and still is a faithful Lutheran, and would take my brother and I to Lutheran church when we were kids. Ah, uh, my memories of that time were um, it was a quiet church, it was a serious church, and uh, I remember loving special occasions there, and. Uh, not seeing church people a lot outside of Sundays, which was fine with me. And nothing really stood out until I was a teenager when I was, I think I was 13 or 14. Part of my understanding of what typically happens in the Lutheran church is you do confirmation classes. So it's sort of like you're about to be an adult. We put you in these classes. You learn what being an adult in the church is. Then you become like a member, an official member of the congregation. You move from being a kid to an adult. Mm -hmm. There you go. So it's not a choice. It's just your parents tell you when it's time to start the classes and you do the classes. And I was the weird one right from the word go. I mean, I'm weird generally, but I was the weird (laughs) kid in the classes because it was like a lot of PKs, pastor's kids. Oh, I was going to say, what's PK? PK, yeah, I'll translate. I'll translate religious stuff for you. Uh, Yeah, PKs. Very obedient PKs. Most of them were homeschooled. Mm. And um, some other quiet, lovely children. And then me. So I tortured the pastor in a lot of ways because he would suggest something in the class and I would say, but why? I need to understand. Like, what does that mean? And why Why should I do that? And, and he was, uh, I think, a bit exasperated with me at times <laughs> because none, none of the other kids are asking why. And... Uh, he would he would give me a lot of oh, Aaron. Ah, oh, you just need to have blind faith. 
just need to trust and you just need to hand over the control to God. And so I think I was labeled very young as like a judgmental person because I remember him teaching specifically like, it's not your place to judge. So he gave us some weird examples of like life situations. Like the the worst one I remember was like, well, it stands out, right? It's burned into my identity was like, if you're married and your husband, maybe he isn't kind to you all the time. Maybe, maybe he yells at you. Maybe you get in fights. Maybe bad things happen, which of course your brain goes to very bad oh things. Oh my gosh. It's not your place to call the police. <gasps> yeah. He literally said that. Oh my gosh. God is the judge. He will judge everyone in his way. It is not your place to judge. So I'm the kid who's like, ah, shouldn't I like tell God and the police if things are happening like that? And he's like, no, no, no. That's you trying to be vengeful and take things into your own hands. It was very weird. Wow. So I was like, what is this guy doing, you know, outside of this space? I don't want to know if he's telling a group of children that like when bad things happen, yeah. don't, don't tell your parents, don't tell your teachers, tell God. I was like, ah, or maybe don't tell on your parents. It was so weird. <laughs> so I remember going home and telling my mom and she was like, he said, what? And so that was complicated. And I feel like I got through the confirmation classes. I remember being confirmed in the church and having the whole ceremony and things. Um, But I think it was like bothering my mother after that. And the church went through some things. She kind of stepped away for a while. Mm -hmm. I stepped away. Then I was a teenager and I was on my own journey. Mm -hmm. So I ended up following one of my friends to a Pentecostal church, which like if you compare... (laughs) Different facets of Christianity. The Lutheran church was like, you know, you sit down quietly in the pew. And the Pentecostal church was like, you never sit in the pew. You're jumping up. You're speaking in tongues. You're on fire in the Holy Spirit. It was a very demonstrative, loud, energetic church. So as a teenager, I was like, sign me up. This is great. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But it's just, I didn't really fit in there either. And I was always kind of waiting for the Holy Spirit to like wash over me and make me speak in tongues. And it, it never happened. Then I went away to school, graduated from high school, um, moved to Vancouver, went to BCIT, did broadcasting school, which was amazing, which is a whole nother podcast. But um, (laughs) I, I definitely branched out on my own at that point. Did I still believe in God? Yes. Did I define God? Not so much. Um, I had this very, I think I, at that point, because I was, I think I wrote, I wrote a little timeline and I wrote like, this was my period of misery. And then I wrote, no, this was my period of exploration where I tried a lot of different things and I was sort of figuring out who I was and what I wanted in life. So my version of God at that time, I jokingly now refer to him as like hippie Jesus, like he was along with me on the journey. <laughs> he was a ride. He was just kind of playing his guitar and being like, I love you, girl. And like, <laughs> you'll figure it out. Yeah. Like, whatever you do, uh, it's all good. Like, we'll work through it. And so I think that was kind of how I rationalized my faith during that period because I wasn't going to church. I wasn't praying. I, well, I guess I prayed randomly, sporadically. But Can, can I ask you a question? Yeah, yeah. That I feel I should have asked earlier. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
So what was your sense of why your mom wanted you to go to church? Was it like, oftentimes I feel like it's passed down as a, as a something your family does or like, what yeah. Was- yeah. And I think there's like a component of that where I feel like it's an Icelandic thing to be, to be Lutheran. Okay. Um, it's a part of that tradition it's almost or like a cultural thing yeah yes and so sense. you know how you'll meet uh well like some people will identify as catholic but then when you talk to them it's kind of like what you were saying actually about identifying as jewish mm-hmm. catholic people often will, will identify as oh yeah i'm catholic but then you're like oh well where do you go to church they're like oh i've been to church in years or mm-hmm. you know i pop into mass on christmas mm-hmm, or something mm-hmm. like that so there are people that are like actively practicing religiously on a you know weekly daily level and then there are people that just identify that way culturally and I think Lutheranism can kind of be like that for some people but I feel like my mom was born into it Mm -hmm. that was where her parents went and her grandparents Mm -hmm. went and so that's where we went did you talk about God outside of church no okay at meals no we didn't pray before dinner I feel like maybe we prayed at Christmas or Thanksgiving, that kind of thing, Easter. Mm. And Easter was like a big celebration and Christmas was a big celebration, but it was like uh, mostly Santa and the bunny. Okay. We went to church for sure. And I remember religious celebrations, Mm. but outside of that, my family was not religious, I would say. I mean, maybe my mom had her own quiet faith, Okay. but my dad was very non-practicing. His parents would identify as atheists. I remember having some interesting chats with my grandpa about faith. And uh, yeah, it just wasn't actively practiced on my dad's side of the family, but my mom's side, it was like a cultural Icelandic, this is what you do kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. We've had some interesting conversations since where I'm like, why? Why this church? Like, do you ever wonder about other churches or other faiths? And I think she gets a little bit uncomfortable, but she's like, this is where I belong. And now she's a part of a congregation where she's super engaged, super happy, mm-hmm. very active. Like she preaches on Sundays when the minister is away. Like oh, cool. she is like really, it's a really important part of her identity, mm-hmm. which I totally respect. But yeah, it was like for me as a kid, I just didn't really connect sure. personally. I'm so grateful that she took us. It definitely planted a seed of faith and a belief in God. Mm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just didn't feel a sense of belonging in that church. Okay. Okay, back to hippie Jesus. Yeah, so hippie Jesus was with me then <laughs> through my late teen, early 20s mm-hmm. um, as I explored life and totally went off the rails like compared to my christian friends growing up. Lived with guys, you know, partied hard, did all that stuff mm. in, through those years. And what I remember really intently was... At about, I think it was age 25, 26, standing in a bar one night with a bunch of my friends. And I mean, it was what we did every weekend, pretty much. We went out and partied. And I remember standing in the bar with the music and everybody dancing. And I think I just kind of like stepped outside of myself for a moment and felt like, is this all there is? Hmm this is what like fun and fulfillment and joy is going to feel like in my life. And it just wasn't enough. I just felt like this overwhelming emptiness. 
Wow, you're in, you're in a supposed place of fun, and yeah. it wasn't really fun anymore. Yeah, I just felt like weirdly like an outsider in that moment. Oh, interesting. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, I just don't want to keep doing this. I'm not, I'm not getting out of it what I feel like I should be getting out of it. Hmm. So, yeah, I started soul searching. I'd been away from church for a long time, but I started praying and just having these really sort of authentic heart to hearts with God. Like, God, I believe in you. Help me find you. I don't know what to do. I don't know Mm -hmm. where to go. Mm -hmm. I don't know any of it. Which one is real? Should I be a Buddhist? Should I be a Muslim? Should I be a Christian? Should I like, I don't even know. Like, where are you? Help me. And it was a weird time. A girlfriend uh, of, of mine was sort of soul searching in the same ways. And so we started visiting different churches and trying to find a place to fit. So we tried different churches. We prayed together. And uh, one night we were out. <laughs> so random. We were out at a hockey game. <laughs> yeah. Watching the Giants play. And uh, I was eating sushi. And this stranger came and sat down beside me. I mean, it was totally God, of course, I think, in hindsight. Like, I had an aisle seat. And this woman came and sat down beside me who was, a, you know, a couple of years older than me. And she was like, oh, my gosh, I just moved here from Ontario. And I can't believe that you can get sushi at a hockey game in BC. And I was like, you can't you can't buy sushi here. There's, like, burgers. But I brought the sushi in with me. And she's like, that is so awesome. I love it. And so we just started chatting. And she invited me to join her at church. And I was like immediately super suspicious like she must be a jehovah's witness or something because who else just randomly invites a stranger to go to church right this is very weird but and she gave me like her phone number and i gave her my phone number and stuff as we were leaving the game so i'm like whatever i'm I'm never calling this woman but then i went home and thought about it and i was like oh i've been praying i have been asking god to like give me some direction so i can't really i don't feel like i can ignore her yeah so the funny thing was she lost my phone number. <laughs> she, she didn't call me. I think I had her email. So I reached out to her. I'm like, hey, I don't know if you remember. We met at this hockey game. I'm curious about your church. And she was like, oh, awesome. Like, you should come. You know, here's the address. Here's when we meet. And I was like, well, I don't know. I don't know about coming to your church. Can I have some more questions for you? We should get together. And so she was like, okay. And at this point, I think I had just experienced some hypocrisy within Mm. faith communities which I mean big surprise Mm. everybody messes up but at that point I was like oh I want to be a part of a church that has it on straight and does it right so I agreed to meet her for lunch I think and uh so she came out to a restaurant and this woman just had the patience of Job because I had like a million questions and I was so suspicious. I'm like, so I'm going to come out to your church and they're going to ask me for a bunch of money and that's what this is going to be about. And she was like, no, um. <laughs> but I, I was cautious, very cautious. So we got together a couple of times and I asked her a million questions, grilled her basically. And she was very, very patient and very kind and just so loving. And I'm like, oh, gosh, like, I can't not love this woman. She's amazing. So eventually she's like, look, just come to church. If you hate it, you can walk out. (laughs) You can like leave. (laughs) No one's tying you to your seat. Like, what have you got to lose? So I was like, "Okay, fine. So I think I dragged my girlfriend who was church hunting with me and we went to a service and Right away when we walked in the door, everyone was very nice and welcoming and people were saying hello and greeting me. And I was like, oh, this feels really friendly. And 
So we sat down and the first song they sang was a song that I had loved from Lutheran church camp when I was a kid. And I was like, okay, A, it's weird that I even know the song that they're going to sing, but B, it's like my favorite song from when I was a kid. And again, I just felt like, oh, this is God. How can this not be God? Like, yeah. So I felt very, very warmly welcomed. I was invited out for lunch afterwards. People were so friendly. And even as I was walking out, like kind of listening in on people's conversations, you know, I was just paying attention to everything really closely. And people were talking about deep things. People were not talking about the weather or what they were going to do on the weekend. They were talking about relationships and parenting and things they were struggling with. Mm. And I was like, life, this is different. Like it just had a different vibe than any place I'd been to. So started hanging out with people and they asked me if I wanted to study the Bible and I was very curious, but it was funny. I came to that meeting too with like my list of all the um, hypocrisy in the Bible and all of the contrary and like, you know, this part says if someone's angry at you and hits you, you should just turn the other cheek. And this part says an eye for an eye or tooth for a tooth. But then this part says you should love everybody. And I'm like, there are so many contradictions in this book. And oh, and I thought, and the Bible is so like anti-woman and I can't be part of a church where I'm not mm. valued as a human being, as a woman. And again, these amazing patient people <laughs> were like, this one woman was like, Aaron, write down all your questions, everything, like everything you're wondering. It was the opposite of what I'd heard in my childhood, right? Like wow. ask every question. Yes. Don't be sat- satisfied until you get a good answer. So I was like, let's go thinking I had all this Bible knowledge. I, t- I totally didn't, but I thought I did. Um, I, I had a very loose understanding. Anyway, so yeah, so they studied the Bible with me. I was still hesitant. There were still parts of the church I didn't like. I would be at different services and I did feel like they were compelling people to give money. And I was very uncomfortable with that. And uh, there were things that happened um, that, yeah, it just wasn't quite lining up for me. Mm-hmm. And then there was this big thing that happened in the church and this big thing in in 2003, this letter was written by a guy in the church who was like, we need to change a bunch of things. We are not living like godly people. Mm. We need to really like look at ourselves and make some changes. And after that, there were a series of services that were just like crazy, unlike anything I'd ever seen in a church building where ministers were apologizing and taking responsibility for their sin and asking for forgiveness and like working to change. It was just this incredible humility Mm. that I'd never seen from anyone really in a position of leadership Mm -hmm. to be like, not in the church. No, they're supposed to be pillars of strength, right? To lead by example. And instead this one minister really stood out to me and I was like, here's this like older man, this older bearded man who's being so humble and honest and authentic. And I was like, sign me up. Cause I'd been really hesitating. I'd been doing my studies, but I wasn't, I just didn't have full buy-in. But once I saw that, I was like, this is the church community I want to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Like, this is where I want to be. Where people are allowed to make mistakes and apologize for them and talk about them. Right? Yes. This is what a church should be in my mind. I'll own it. My perspective is that a church should not be a sanctuary for saints where everybody's perfect and has everything together. Well, it's definitely not the human experience. No, it's totally inauthentic, right? Mm-hmm. A church should be a sanctuary for sinners. Mm. Like it's a hospital. 
and we're all in treatment <laughs> but we're all in treatment together true i love that and so yeah so i decided to in in our church you get baptized and you, that's when you're born again you're born anew and you start fresh with god mm. and all your sins are forgiven and you it's a new beginning can you be pa- baptized more than once in your life sometimes people are i mean i was i think this was really confusing for my mom when i said i'm going to be a part of this church and I'm going to be baptized because she was like I already baptized you when you were a baby mm-hmm. you don't need to be baptized again and I was like well uh different faith traditions have different ideas about this but in my mind you have to choose your faith mm. it can't be chosen for you even mm. if your parents have the best of intentions yeah interesting so baby baptism didn't make a lot of sense to me because the baby can't choose um dedications that's great. Or whatever ceremonies you want to have to welcome your child into the faith family. Awesome. But I'm like, if you're choosing your faith, you have to be old enough to make that decision for yourself. Mm. Like I wouldn't tell you who you're marrying or, you know, those kind of things you have to, or what job you you should have. You make those decisions for yourself when you're old enough to do that. That makes sense. So, yeah. So I, have I known people that have been rebaptized? Sure. Especially people that got baptized when they were like younger, like, mm-hmm young teens who later on are like, oh, I actually didn't quite know what I was doing at that point. Like I was just doing it to please my parents or to fit in or whatever. And so later on they'll be like, oh, I need to be rebaptized. It's like, okay. But traditionally in our church, you're baptized, you're good to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I became a Christian in 2003. I identify as a disciple of Jesus. That's my primary identity. Hmm. A disciple just means like, he's my teacher. I'm his follower. So I, the rest of my life is about reading the Bible and studying and trying to be more like Jesus, who's like the ultimate human being. Did Jesus not make mistakes or he just like what? Yeah. As you, as you are saying, he's the ultimate human being. What, what is it? So my belief mm-hmm. that's what, that's is what that Jesus was 100% without sin. Really? So he never screwed up in the ways that we screw up. But Jesus was tempted in every way that we are tempted. So he was like God that became man so that he could communicate with us, so that he could relate to us, so that he, he could experience everything that we experience. So when I'm going through a tough time, mm-hmm. I'm like, I know Jesus was tempted in this way as well, or he struggled in this way as well. Like mm-hmm. if I have friends who I'm fighting with, I'm like, oh yeah, there were times when Jesus was counting on his friends and they abandoned him and he felt what I feel in this moment. So I can connect with him in those ways. Hmm. So does it, does it feel different for you that he didn't live that long? Cause you, or do you feel like he got to experience it all? Like all the experiences that you now past your thirties mm-hmm. yeah yeah he, <laughs> are experiencing differently or or even the fact that he didn't well you can say he didn't have children but all of us potentially are his children right like that's this is true it's a thought but he, biological... he definitely didn't experience everything i've experienced he never experienced childbirth he never had to deal with a toddler cranky toddler Hustle of kids <laughs> yeah it was different i feel like he led this normal human existence until you know things changed for him as an adult and he went on his mission to seek and save the lost and change the world and he had this this expedited adulthood Mm. where it was like compressed a lot of action 
into a short few years. Um, so when I read scriptures and I read all the stories of Jesus, I see the different struggles that I've had mirrored in his life. Mm, cool. So I connect with him very strongly. He's no longer floating hippie Jesus that's just like cool with everything. He's Jesus that had good days and bad days. He's he's Jesus that really struggled and suffered. Like my husband will even talk about like periods of depression in his life. Like mm. he had struggles. Mm-hmm. And it's evidenced in scripture. So I feel like it's more of a relationship, uh, more of a real relationship I have with him now than this idea of like God floating off in the clouds as an old man with a beard. Mm. Like it's more everyday connection. Mm. Living on earth. Yeah. As a human. Yeah. Essentially, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which is hard. Walk yeah. Walking meat sacks. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's so really challenging a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah, so it just changed my whole view and my whole relationship and mm. kind of took things off a page. It wasn't a, the Bible wasn't just a dusty old book anymore. It was like an instruction manual for life. Mm. And it has helped me in so many ways. My life, I wouldn't say since I became a Christian, my life isn't like suddenly all rainbows and butterflies. Like it's not easier. I still have lots of challenges and struggles and hard things happen all the time. But like the whole thing is easier because of my relationship with God. Oh, it almost sounds like um, there's a little bit of a manual, like as you struggle, you know, a manual to look back on and be like, what, what did he do? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That could help me figure out what I can do. Right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. There's that, that whole sense. blueprint there mm. for human survival and like living your best life. And that, that's totally biblical. Live this idea of living life to the full. I think I used to think of the Bible as something that was really restrictive and like God saying, no, don't do this. Don't do this. Hey, like, don't do this. And it has completely been reframed for me as these are life guidelines so that you live your best life so that you are fulfilled and things are meaningful and your relationships are better and deeper. And it's a how-to guide instead of a mean book of you better not do this fun thing because it'll get you in trouble. (laughs) <laughs> that makes sense which is totally how i thought of it okay where you at anyway so things went really quickly after that yeah let me see how no, many we're okay. We're okay. how many years we're i've okay. been talking for here we're okay with time wise we're keeping track on time um yeah so things happened really quickly after that so mm-hmm. i was how old was i i was 27 when i became a christian and i'd lived a lot of life before that too much perhaps <laughs> um and so I, I feel like it was really grounding, like it really changed. It changed how I looked at everything. And so once I was in the church, and our church is very, very interactive, very active. Mm. It's not just a Sunday morning church. It's like I see my friends during the week, our kids get together, we really prioritize relationship with each other. Mm. So it's it's a spiritual family in the truest sense of the word, where like something happens with me, I know my spiritual family is going to step up and help out. Yeah. And so does my blood family, like, obviously, and so do my friends like you. But my spiritual family is just another really important layer in my life. Our church is big on friendship dating. So I became a Christian. I wanted nothing to do with men. I'd had too many bad experiences with men. Sure. I wanted to just be my own human being. 
And almost immediately, my girlfriends at church were like, oh, you've got to start dating. And I was like, oh, no, I know. I really don't want to do that. But they again, they reframed that. OK, it's not dating like you were dating in the world. It's it's very intentional friendship dating to encourage other people. You're just getting together with probably four of you will go on a double date together. Your whole job on the date is just to get to know the other people and build them up like the whole compliments thing we were just talking about today just look on the bright side like have a good time get to know each other there's no nothing's no strings attached it's plutonic I was like okay this is weird and I really like it so I started church dating and it was fantastic I got to know so many people Mm -hmm. and have so many fun experiences and go on trips and do all sorts of great things it was amazing and Eventually, through the church, met my husband, and uh, we started dating, and it was funny. Our first date was a plutonic friendship date, and by the end of the date, I came home and called my mother, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I just met the guy I'm going to marry. <laughs> and she, she said, I hope you didn't tell him that. <laughs> I said, no, I'm not crazy. Um, but it was very fast, speaking of like an expedited life, mm, because we shared our spiritual foundation mm-hmm. and we had this incredible connection right mm. from the word go. I'd known him at church, like, you know, for six or eight months or 10 months, however long that was. But he was just another guy at church I didn't know very well. But, sure. you know, we'd work together on some committees and things. But first date, I was like, wow, this is it. So it didn't take long. We, we dated for a few months. We got engaged the next year. We got married the following July. And then we are pregnant with our first the next year. So it was very fast <laughs> compared to what a lot of people would think would be reasonable. And my coworkers were like pulling me aside and being like, dude, this is a terrible idea. What are you doing? Like, mm. you're going way too fast. But I had, you know, dated lots of guys before and yeah, lived with a couple of them. And I was like, this feels so drastically different. Mm -hmm. I have no hesitation. And never in my life had I had that, like, this is it for sure. Yes. It was so clear. So yeah. So we got hitched. We started having babies. Life was crazy. We lived down here for the first couple of years of our marriage um, in the lower mainland. And then my husband was in a car accident and we had to move and we went up to the Okanagan for a few more years and he went back to school and then we came back down here for a few years and then he got his first job in Oregon, which is why we moved to Oregon for a few years and then we came back here. Anyway, so much life happened, you know, and we had three kids along the way. But then, um, thank goodness for the pandemic. Not really, but it propelled us back here. And so we moved back to Langley and Uh, 2021. So we've been back here for two years now and I'm so grateful to be here. That is the Coles Notes version (laughs) of my faith journey that led me to strongly identify as a woman of Christian faith. It's it's a huge part of who I am. I'm very proud of it and uh, happy to be part of an engaged faith community. Finally found my place, which is kind of what we're all looking for. Family community, right? Yes. Yes. Finding that place of belonging. Love it. I have some questions slash reflections. Oh, sure. So I wasn't sure what to think when I first met you and you very much identified as Christian and religious and 
Um, I had been to your family's home for dinner where, where you guys obviously prayed over the food or said a blessing over the food. Yeah. I remember. And then I had also been to a few church functions. Um, but the thing that kept me really open-minded was when I came to a church function with my kids, I want to say, and the person who was preaching said some things that I thought were a little weird. <laughs> yes, fair. <laughs> and my my thought was that you take things at face value, right? That I think that, or... You know, whatever they say, you don't question, right? Exactly what, <laughs> what you were talking about. Um, and yet you talked to me about how you had a conversation. You always do have a conversation with your kids, whether in the car or at home, about what you heard and what of that feels true and how to question it and what value does this give to our life and whether this fits in our life, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the first time I had ever heard someone of faith um, talk about religion in a way that is very open to whether it's right or not for your family. Mm -hmm. Um, And just because someone essentially deemed as being powerful or of power or, or preaching to you is saying something doesn't mean that your kids should believe everything that, let's say, adults say, right? Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, and I think that's like that's like a key component of my faith belief system now is how vital it is that faith is a personal choice. Mm-hmm. So even when we got like baby books for the kids and there was a page in there to, to write in, to write about their baptism or their christening or, you know, here's when we, you know, set you up with your faith community. And Sean and I wrote in that page like, we can't tell you when or if that will happen for you. Of course, we pray that you decide to become a Christian one day. Duh. My kids all know that, of course, right? But we value so highly that it is their personal choice. That's what free will is. Mm-hmm. And so we don't have like, oh, you turned 14. Now you start your classes to become a Christian. Like that doesn't exist in our church family. If you decide you want to study the Bible, you certainly can. People will be t- super happy and enthused. If you don't want to, that's okay too. That's your life journey Mm -hmm. and faith shouldn't be pushed on anyone. It's an open invitation that you choose to accept or not. Mm -hmm. And it's okay. Like we love you either way. And I think that's so important. Mm. And that's something that I, I just hugely value about my faith community is like anyone is welcome. We'd love to share our convictions with you. We'd love to tell you about why we believe what we believe. Obviously this podcast is super fun for me. But it's your choice. And it has to be that way. God didn't, I believe God didn't put us all here as little automatons. We're not robots. He put us here with these amazing brains to be able to make decisions for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that's a part of the value of the whole thing. And additionally, this whole idea of we don't know everything that God wants, but he gave us this Bible, this instruction book for life. And that's what we keep going to. And the Bible talks about the idea of being a Berean, like when the Bereans heard people preaching, they were a culture that would immediately go back to the texts and read the text to see if what the preacher was preaching was true. So they didn't just take it at face value, even back then in the olden daisy times. (laughs) And so we talk about that in my faith community, like, no, be a Berean, like get in your Bible. When I was a kid, 
uh, I mean, I remember getting Bibles like when I was confirmed or I'm sure I had like a little kid's Bible, Mm -hmm. but I was never encouraged to read it Hmm. in the faith community I grew up in. No, you went to church on Sundays and the minister would tell you what to think basically. And we would just accept it and go home. And I was, there was never like a process when I was a kid of engaging in that back and forth about the why and the how, and I don't understand, but in the church I'm in now, it's like, oh no, you need to be in your Bible and you need to read this for yourself and you need to study it out. And if you hear anything from the pulpit, you're not sure about, you need to pray about it. You need to read your Bible. And if you find something weird that you think isn't matching, let's talk about it. Mm. And I think that's fantastic. Oh yeah, it's amazing. So it's like that personal level of faith. It's, it's not an inherited faith from your parents or an inherited faith from the church leadership. Mm-hmm. It's your own personal walk with God. And I mean, we, we talk about that. Like at the end of the day, we believe I'm going to stand, you know, in front of God in heaven and I won't have my mom to defend me or my husband to defend me. It's just going to be me. Mm-hmm. So I have to know what I think and what I believe. It's very personal. And so it's the same for my kids. Like you guys get to choose this too one day. And I still have one kid who like goes out to different churches and visit visits with other friends and tries different things out. And he's always exploring. And I think it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like, no explore. Like we have this whole amazing world, like yeah. figure out what you think, but it's got to be on your terms. I can't tell you what to think. I love that. And it's just easier. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I don't, don't want to tell them what to think That's and what true. to believe. They get to choose it for themselves, which I just, I think is healthy. That's amazing. The other thing that I really like as we're, we've been talking about kids is how you felt it was so important and powerful for your kids to know that God loves them as children. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, no matter what. And and yeah. God's love, right? We have talked about that since day one, that really no matter what you think or no matter what you believe, I believe God loves everybody and that we're all his children. And so, yeah, with the kids, it was easy. It's like no matter what happens, no matter what you screw up and you have to, you know, come to me and tell me that you stole something or something. Mm-hmm. Um, we can talk about how God loves you so much, no matter what. And I love you so much, no matter what. And let's make it right. Like let's work to right this wrong mm. and figure it out. But no matter what you're loved. Mm. And it's, yeah, it's so reassuring and helpful, even as an adult, that idea, like you're just taking care of. And for me, having kids, really taught me more about God's love. Like I had a intellectual understanding of, oh yeah, God loves me, you know, when I was single and became a Christian. And you know, I'm one of God's children. He's the father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But then I had kids and I got to experience that unconditional love for my children. No matter, like if they were the biggest jerks and some days they were the biggest jerks. Sure. I still love them just the same, right? Yeah. I might not like them that much that day, <laughs> but I still love them. And so even that for me was a part of my faith journey. Like, mm-hmm. oh, now I understand how God loves me so much deeper yeah. because of how I love my own kids. And so I could accept it on like a, um, a deeper heart level than just this intellectual academic understanding of mm-hmm. love. Nice. It's weird, but it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I do feel we should wrap up, but I've okay. got one more thing. Yeah. Do you have a favorite passage or scripture or... Because there's so much, and it probably depends on what what part of life you're in, what your journey is at the moment, what your struggles are. But 
I was just curious in case you wanted to share it. I think that could be a nice closing. So I feel like it's true that there are different scriptures for different days, for sure. Sure. And different life stages. Mm. Like, <laughs> the Bible's the most read book in the world. But I think a lot of people like read it once, and then they're like, and I'm done. And it's complicated. It's really like a library in one book. It's a bunch of different authors from a bunch of different times telling a bunch of different stories. And it's mm-hmm. it's not even meant to be read front to back, you know. But I will read the same passage at different points in my life and get completely different things out of it, mm. depending on what's happening in my life at that moment. But the scripture I thought of when you asked me what was my favorite scripture was one that just really stood out to me when I was studying and again with my kids. So I guess it's relevant. Okay. Psalm 139 verse 13 really stood out to me for you created my inmost being you knit me together in my mother's womb that's just one verse from one psalm but it's so reassuring this idea that god knows us that we are known inside and out backwards and forwards from like the moment we're created to the moment we die we're known and loved. Hmm. And so that's something that I really wanted to impart to my kids that every moment, every day, he knows the number of hairs on your head. He cares so much about all the little things. Sometimes even as a stay-at-home mom, I can get lost in the minutia of my life, all the little repetitive tasks and chores and things. Mm -hmm. The idea that there is this all-loving entity in the universe who's noticing and appreciating and validating all of the little things just makes every day easier. Nice. Thanks for sharing. (laughs) (laughs) And that's my story. And I think we're good. I think we're done this episode. We are good. We're done. Yep. Until next time. We'll see you then.